So it's, it's really good. Open your Bibles with me. We're going to go right back to Matthew chapter 11. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Um, we're inside of this, this moment in the life of Jesus. And we're in week two of a series called Come Unto Me. Um, and this is an invitation by Jesus into everything religion isn't. And so, man, it is so, um, it's so near to my heart. And this has been on my heart, just the topic of what we're talking about um, for a long time. And, man, I'm telling you, I got so much feedback last week on the message. And I, I just was blown away. Like, I know it's one thing when, like, when you feel something in your heart. Y- y'all ever feel this? You feel something in your heart. You feel a certain way. And you're like, man, I don't know if this is, is, if this is common or not. And then you sh- open your mouth and you share it. Kind of like a small group, you know, when you're like, hey, I finally opened Open up, and you're like, hey, I've been thinking about this, and everybody's like, yes, I've been thinking the same thing, and it was so awesome, because man, I left here on Sunday morning, and I did what all of, you know, you, all of you do when you're searching for affirmation and things in your life, I, I went to check social media, and man, you guys were posting like crazy about the message, and I'm going to tell you this, that, that one message um, has gotten more plays, I looked this morning when I was praying and studying, I, I looked this morning, it's gotten more plays um, than any other message we've done so far together as a church. Come on, somebody. So what does that tell me? It tells me two things. It was a great message, and thank you for that. Um, No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't tell me that. What it tells me is is that you guys, by posting and sharing and getting the word out, inviting people to be a part of that, that moment that happened on Sunday, man, you guys are a part of transforming other people's lives outside of this room. Come on, somebody. Y'all know we don't do a live stream for a reason. We don't don't do that, mainly because I'm, I'm afraid of the internet. But... But it was, it was unbelievable to see how, how, how the reach that that had. And so do that. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. That's awesome. You never know what one invite can do. You never know what one you know, post that you can do. You never know what one caption. Hey, man, church was great today. Because, man, I'm telling you, the world is out there and they're longing for genuine community and a genuine encounter with God. Amen, everybody? And so um, really my heart behind this series is more of a conversation, but, but it's, it's my heart behind this series. And even just the way that we operate and the way that Brienne and I lead um, New Life, um, I wanted to, to really, when we started New Life a year and a half ago, I wanted to get back to the original intent and invitation of Jesus in terms of, of, of what he invites us into, but also what the church can be or is supposed to be. Amen, everybody? Like, like an invitation or a church that's not clouded by religion. Like that's, what, that's in my heart. That's, that's what I wanted to see happen. And, and I, I, it takes a few things to make that happen. And I, I had a lot of people tell me I was crazy. But, but man, just look over the last year and a half to see what God has done. Come on, somebody. It ain't about how many people on Sunday. It's that we're closing in at 100 people have gotten saved. We baptized 70-something people. Like we've taken over, you know, almost 100 people through an encounter. Like you can actually do what we're doing. Come on, somebody. And so this is, this series really is my heart. And you know, when you think about it, let's face it, most of us, most of you, a lot of people, when they came to new life, and most of the people in your everyday life, when they think about God, when they think about church, they think about religion. Y'all ever talk to people about church? Y'all ever talk to people about God? Their only reference point that they have is with religion, which is not not God, not Jesus. Amen, everybody. 
Let's face it, most of us, when we came to New Life, most of the people that are in our everyday lives, when they think about God, they think about the church, the only reference point they have, this is important when you're sharing the gospel with other people, you've got to understand that their only reference point that they have is religion. Their only reference point is with a God who is angry with them, a God who at the, is disappointed with them, and a God who at the very least is disillusioned and disconnected from their life and a group of people who are intent on conveying that message. That's their reference point. When you, when you start to preach the gospel to somebody, when you start to share the message of Jesus with somebody, when you invite somebody to church, you've got to understand this. This is pre-built into to, to a lot of us, especially um, here in Oklahoma. That's their view of the invitation of God. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very enticing to me. To, to want to run to a God who is angry with me. To want to run to a God who is disappointed with me. To want to run to a God who at the very least really doesn't even care and see me inside of my everyday life. And I definitely don't want to be involved with a group of people who are intent on conveying that message. You've got to understand, like, this is where most of us started before we came to New Life. Maybe you're here today and you're new. This is where a lot of us, a lot of the people that are in your everyday life, this is what they're thinking. Would you agree with that statement? Their only reference point is, is religion. Their only reference point is a God who is angry with them. And in so many ways, the, the, the moment, Matthew chapter 11, that we're talking about, we talked about last week. If you missed last week, go back and re-listen to it. I promise you, it'll help you. But in the moment that we're looking at inside of the life of Jesus, Matthew chapter 11, that's what's happening and that's the feeling around, around God inside of this moment that we're looking into. The same feeling that we have today where God's angry with me, God's mad at me, I can't, I, I'm trying to please God, all, all the things. A church is mean, it's hateful and hard and something you don't really want to be connected to. People in, in the moment that we're talking about, people are lost, people are hurting. People are searching a lot like today. People are trapped by the chains of religion a lot like today. People are weighed down by the weight of religion because let me tell you, religion is a weight. It's a weight to carry to try to pay for your own sin. It's a weight to carry to try to, to, try to meet all of the, the rules and regulations and the, even the unspoken things. Amen, everybody. Like we've all experienced this in one way or another. The pe People... People who say in this moment, like they do here now, if that's what God is about, then I'll pass. Because you understand, they're the only thing that we see. I mean, they're the, they're the only thing that... They, they, their touch point and view of God is religion, is the church. Amen, everybody. So God sends Jesus. I love this. And I really preached this out at length this, this last week, but... So God sends Jesus, His heart, the, the physical manifestation of the heart of God, which is Jesus. For the, forever the world had been familiar with the hand of God, the hand of correction, the hand of provision, that the hand of, and, and now He was wanting to connect them with His heart. You, you understand Jesus was God's heart. And so He sends His heart not only to invite them into everlasting life, which is the supreme purpose of Jesus, right? We're all thankful for that. Are you guys awake today? You guys enjoy the fact that when you die, you don't stay dead. You get to go to heaven. Amen, everybody. They're going to have a different section for us. It's all good. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But he sends Jesus 
into the world, not only to, to be the ransom for many, to take away the sins of the world, as John the Baptist said, but he, he sends Jesus to the world to invite them out of religion. To invite them into a new way to live. A better way to live. To invite them into a relationship with Him. To invite them into a safe place. To heal. To process. To, to be grown. To be discipled. To, to be built up. To be walked with through, through the challenging moments and seasons in their life. This is the moment that we're looking at in Matthew chapter 11. The, the world has been weighed down just like we feel today with religion. And God sends Jesus to invite them into something that religion could never be. That, that's the moment we're looking at here in Matthew chapter 11. Are you all on the same page with me? Feels a lot like today. Amen, everybody. To invite them into a safe place. To invite them into a place where they can be empowered. To invite them. This is what's awesome. This is what I love about it. That's why you got to go to encounter. To invite them into the freedom that their heart has so longed for inside of their life. It sounds a lot like where we are today. Now more than ever, I'll just tell you this, and I don't buy the hype, but now more than ever, people, just the people that I see in my everyday life that I lead to Jesus in my everyday life, and I tell you guys about them all the time, but now more than ever, people are responding to the invitation of Jesus. Man, they're hungry. They're hurting. We started this church a year and a half ago. And a hundred people, close to a hundred people have gotten saved. Now more than ever, people are hungry for the message of Jesus. They are burnt out on religion. They are weighed down by religion. They are weighed down by the church. They are leaving the church by the droves. You guys hear this all the time, right? 53% of the world will never walk through the doors of this church. One in three in the pandemic left church and haven't been back. 76% down to 63% is the national average who profess a belief in Jesus. These are real numbers. But now more than ever, people are hungry and wanting to hear the real invitation, the right invitation. They ain't trying to, be, they ain't trying to come be a part of your church potluck. But they will respond to the right invitation. Amen, everybody. Now more than ever, people need to hear the right invitation. And let me ask you this, believer. How are they going to hear if you don't tell them? There's a million reasons and one why we don't have a live stream. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons. Because I believe God, I love what Matthew said. Man, I just was finding out what I was created for. God created you to go out into the world and preach the gospel and to make disciples. That's what he designed you to do, was to share the message, the right invitation. And I, I think it's safe to say, like today, we're, we're going to dive deeper into this invitation. But, but man, don't we need to be reminded of the right invitation? So how easily we can fall back into the trappings of religion and figure out and, and just forget about where we were when God found us. So judgmental we become so fast. What did Paul say? Of the sinners, I am chief, right? So today we're going to dive deeper into the right invitation. That's what we're going to do. This is week two. Next week we're going to talk about the body because I don't believe you can have a great walk with God without having being a part of the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. But we're going to talk about what this invitation means to us. So go with me here to the scripture, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 11, I'm sorry, verse 28. So here we are. Jesus is standing in a moment. 
right? We've read this scripture a lot. A lot of times we preach it out of context, and I get that. But, but this is a moment, because it's a great scripture. But this isn't the moment where Jesus says, come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. This is a moment where Jesus is standing in front of the religious leaders of the day. This is a moment where he's just rebuked all of the religious people in the cities that did not receive him. This isn't white robe, blue sash, petting the sheep Jesus. This is a up the middle confrontation of the religious system of the day. And Jesus is inviting the people who will listen. Because even he says, you guys remember last week we went through the full block of scripture. And he said, I'm so glad that you hid this from the wise. And that you, that you were able to open this up to the normal people just like me and you. The people who weren't religious. And so he's standing in front of the religious system of the day. And says this invitation to all of those who have been weighed down, beat down, hurt, trapped, had a barrier in between them and the God who created them. Amen, everybody. This is the moment. And Jesus says this. These first three words is what we're going to talk about today. He says, read, read them with me. He says, come to me, all of you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly at heart, and you will find, say it with me, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is so much more than just a moment. you got to get this. This is so much more. I want you to place yourself in this moment. This is so much more than just a speech. This is so much more. This is the moment. That the people had been waiting for. Yes, Jesus would go on to die on the cross and be raised from the bread, with bread the, the bread, the dead, which is the foundation of our our religion, our, our our belief system here. Our, our Christianity is that Jesus is not dead. That you understand that's the foundation. If he didn't raise from the grave, preaching is in vain. You understand that, right? But this is the moment where everything begins to shift. I, I, I pray that I can communicate this the way that I can see it. But what you've got to understand in this invitation, the right invitation, what you've got to understand is in the first three words of this invitation, these people's entire world was shaken. In the first Three words of this invitation, the very foundation of how they had been able to relate to God was shaken in that moment. Because up until that moment, there had been a, a layer in between them and God. There had been a layer in between them and God's word. God's presence was, was only for a few and God's word was only for a few. And so their relation to God was, was a lot like our relation to God inside of America today where God is angry with us and, and God is disappointed with us. And, and there's a group of people who are intent on conveying that message in a very harsh way. This is their, their experience with God, in the first three words, come to me. He revolutionized everything that they believed about how they would relate to the God of the Bible. Are you with me this morning? This is the first three words. It changes everything. The first three words tear down the very foundation to how they've been able to relate to God. Freedom was in these first three words. Come to me. Hope for these people, for us was in these first three words. Healing <laughs> was in these first three words. Come to me. The weight 
of religion. you got to catch this. And I am so glad God showed me this. The weight of religion was abolished by these three words. Come to me. You can come to me. To me, directly. To me. These first three words change everything for those whose only experience with God is religion. These first three words change everything for those who religion told them that God wanted nothing to do with them. God, I wish you guys would wake up. These first three words change everything to those who religion told them God was angry with them. These first three words change everything for those who religion told them that they had to fit a certain criteria to be in the presence of God. These first three words change having to have a priest in between them and God. And this is where I wrote in like really a preacher line here, but, but I came to tell you this morning that these three words didn't expire in Matthew chapter 11. I came to tell you that the, the first three words were not just for these people in the Bible. I came to tell you today that these three words aren't just for perfect people. They're not just for people who've got it right. They're not just for people who are good church growing people. They're not for people. They're not only just for people who read the Bible. They're for the outcast. They're for the one trapped in addiction. They're for the one trapped in anxiety. They're for the one trapped in a cycle of shame and guilt inside of their life. They're, they're the one who's been hurt by the pain of religion. The one who can't shake depression in their life. These first three words are to you and to me. Every day, all day, every single day in our life. These first three words come to me is the God of heaven who created everything, who spoke and the waters parted, who struck the anvil of eternity and set time into motion saying, I want a personal relationship with you. Come to me. Right where you're at, right now, Right in the middle of your mess, right in the middle of your pain, right in the middle of your doubt, right in the middle of your questions, right in the middle of your heartache, come to me. What a beautiful invitation. So, so, so here's what I want to do. You said it, you see it, you see it, this is, this is you seeing it. Are we all on the bus? Okay, let's go. Let's, let's start driving then. So what I have it in my heart to do is, is I want to dive a little deeper into this invitation into a relationship with him. And I was praying about this and I was going to go like seven different ways. And just to be honest, it was a struggle to get this message together this week. I felt very, um, anyway, scattered. And, and it, was, it ended up where, where, where I, I do believe where God wanted it to end up. Um, but we're going to look at the difference between because I believe we've been so ingrained with religion, but not only that, the people that we are called to reach have been. So I think the only the only way to really catch this is if we talk about the difference between what we what religion says and what God actually says. Now listen, this is not 
only a set of people that Jesus was addressing in this scripture. It's not, it not only set them free, it not only sets us free, but, but it is the lens in which we see other people inside of our life. Y'all understand that, right? So this invitation, remember what I told you, it's not only, the, the invitation isn't just for you, it just starts with you, right? So this is the lens in which you're going you're gonna to see people inside of your everyday life, those that you're preaching the gospel to, those that you're discipling, those in your small groups, those in your teams, all, all those things. And so, so let's just start right here with number one, because this is what this invitation means this invitation into relationship that's the that's the title of this message today it's the invitation into a relationship with you come to me i want a relationship with you personally vicky that's what the god of heaven says so here's number one let's let's walk through this and you, you might need to write this down i had trouble um making these points um anyway all right here we go number one religion says this inside of your relationship with God as it orients to your relationship with God. God desires a relationship with you. Here's what religion will tell you. Religion will tell you, if you change, God wants a relationship with you. That's what religion will tell you. That's what the people were told before the, the correct invitation is, is, Teddy, if you get your life right, then God wants to have a relationship with you. Has anyone experienced that? Like if you'll just get your, get your life together, then God wants to have a relationship with you. Here's what God says. This is the truth that we're going to build on when it, as it's concerned to our relationship with God because God desires a personal relationship with us. God says, if you have a relationship with me, I can help change you. You've you, you got to see this because this is the foundation for the way that you believe God, believe for things, believe about God, believe about yourself and your own identity. Matthew, just I'm preaching to you this week. I guess this week is for you, right? Come on, somebody. That's why you texted me last night. He was like, bro, this message is so good. And I was like, I'm glad because I've really struggled with it. But, but religion will tell you if you change, God wants a relationship with you. When God actually says in the Bible and, and what we see in the life of Jesus and, and all of the things, God says, hey, 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 I want a relationship with you. And once I have a relationship with you, then I can help change you. Are you all with me this morning? That's the difference between what God actually says, which most people don't know because they're only conveyed this message through religion and proves in his word that's different than what most of us have experienced as it concerns our relationship with God. God doesn't change me in order to accept me. God accepts me in order to change me. That's the only way this thing works. This is what's the beauty of this invitation of Jesus, which is come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. It wasn't those that were tired or, you know, the moms that had all the kids doing all the things. That's not who he's speaking to. Yes, we can use that scripture for that. But the true actuality in the context around the scripture was he was talking to people who were, who were trying to make themselves change before God could accept them. God accepts me in order to change me. He doesn't change me in order to accept This is just the stupidity. I went fishing this week. And uh, once again, my wife caught a bigger fish than I did. But she has a great guide. Best guy on Texoma this week, me. And so what's interesting about fishing, honey, is we don't clean the fish before we catch them. That would be stupid and impossible. But God's the same way. I don't understand where we as the church have gotten off on this thing where we think we have to clean people before we catch them. 
First of all, it's not our responsibility, even our directive, to change people. Even in our capability to change people. God's desire has never been to start with your behavior and that be the basis on whether or not He wants a relationship with you. God's desire to have a relationship with us has never been on the basis of our current behavior. (laughs) If you already had it together, why would you need Him? This is so stupid. But if you already, that's what I don't understand about. I can't get off on all my my, my don't understands today. But anyway, this is not only completely counter biblical. That God wants me to change in order to have a relationship with me. It's just not even in the mannerisms or in the character of Jesus or in the, the actions he did in the Bible. Every single one of the disciples. All of them. They weren't old men with long beards. They were young, rough fishermen who I'm sure cussed a lot, who fought a lot, who'd been places and done things. What did he say? Come with me and I'll make you a fisherman of men. I'll make you a fisher of men. You look at Zacchaeus in the tree. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a hater. He was a cheater. He was a thief. He was a liar. What did Jesus say? Hey, come down. I want to spend some time with you. You look at every single person inside of the Bible. God accepted them in order to change them. He didn't change them in order to accept them. Religion has ingrained into us that we've got to get our life together before we come to Him. Especially, especially if we're already saved. Especially. Because remember what I told you, religion, the religion will tell you the free gift of salvation is coupled with the burden of perfectionism. And w- when you mess up, that means you've got to get it right before you can come back to Him. And this... All this does, this this cycle, is work hand in hand with the enemy, which I think the enemy and religion are. It keeps us trapped in a cycle of shame and guilt and we never get to the place we're able to hear the right invitation, which is come to me. His desire is to overwhelm you With his love. To accept you. Right where you are. No matter what. I've read this scripture. I seem like I read this scripture. Twice a month. Romans 5.8. Yet while we were. Still sinners. God sent Jesus to die. What does that tell me Pastor Mark? That tells me that while you were at your worst. The God of heaven said, that one, Kyle, he's mine. Oh yeah, right there in the middle of his mess, right there in the middle of her mess, right there in the middle of their divorce, right there in the middle of their financial problem, right there while he's, yep, right there while he's in that drug addiction, yep, right there when he's walking through that, 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 that season in his life. Are y'all with me this morning? This is the good news. When, when you're at your worst, his only response was come to me. Shouldn't We, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, as his representatives, be the same way. Shouldn't we be expected to carry his heart? I mean, we are his church. 
1 John 4, 9. In this love, God has made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He first, another translation says, loved us and sent His Son as the propitiation of our sins. Great news, everybody. But what did I tell you? If you stop at salvation, you'll end in religion. But if we keep going, He says, Beloved, if God loved you, then you better love everybody else. You won't have the relationship with God, the personal relationship with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. That He paid everything for you to have as long as you're convinced that your current state has something to do with whether or not He wants a relationship with you. Not only that, but in turn, you'll place a measuring line on other people. Number two, here we go. Is that good? Helping y'all? All right. Because you got to know the right invitation. Not only for you, this is for you. But it, it starts with you, but it doesn't end with you. Number two, religion says if I, this is good because this is going to get, because I get religious too, and all of y'all do too. Y'all know y'all do. Religion tells me if I do the right things, God wants a relationship with me. If I do the right things, God wants a relationship with me. Right? Don't drink, smoke, chew, or run with girls who do. Come to church on Sunday. Put 10% in the plate. Take your turn in the nursery. Whatever it is that you've... Whatever the little list of rules and regulations that you've made up. Religion will tell you if you do the right things, then God wants a relationship with you. And God says, I've already done everything in order to have a relationship with you. This is, this is what's incredible. What most people miss, Two of the biggest sessions we have at Encounter, two of the most life-altering sessions we have at Encounter is the revelation of the cross, figuring out, finding out, coming to the revelation of what God actually did for you, what Jesus actually did for you on the cross. Most of us are convinced that He died just for our sin, our sin that He died for your shame, your trauma, your guilt, your addiction, everything. And, and, and old life, new life, which is right thinking leads to right doing. Now you have a new life. That's grace. But God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, our relationship is only based on everything I've already done for you. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you could do something for the one who created everything, you're really doing something. And I don't know if he's worth serving if I can do, do for him. Like, if, if, if our relationship is dependent on what I can do for the one who spoke in the waters parted. That's not, that's not really a God big enough for me to serve. Okay, so what does that mean? How does that, how does that change the invitation? How does that set us free? Now, 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 this is where you find out how religious you are. Remember how I told you we love religion. We love it because it creates boxes we can check, things that we can do. And when we check them, when we do the things, it creates a false sense of achievement and creates a measuring line that we can place on others. You guys remember this? <laughs> well, I read Mama. Are you, have you been, you been in the Word, Teddy? But you should be in the Word. If you're not confident in the authority that Scripture provides, you'll be a slave for everything the world says sounds good. But if I use that as a measuring on whether or not I'm better than, than Tracy, that's religion. Well, I'm checking the boxes. 
That's why this statement that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 11 changed everything. Because all they had ever known, all that most of us have ever known. This is so good. I want you to get this. Is if I do enough for God, he wants a relationship with me. If I do enough for him, he wants a relationship with me. If I can adhere to the law, if I can do the right things, if I can look the right way. Can I, can, can, can I just reiterate today that you can't you can do enough to earn the kind of love that God has for you? There's nothing you have done or can do to earn it, saint. The basis of the desire that God has to have a relationship with you. This is, this is going to mess you up, those of you that think you're high and mighty. Because I get there every now and then. Hey, listen, I'm a preacher, you know. And um, the basis for God's relationship with you is solely based on the grace that He provided to you through the sacrifice of Jesus. End, stop, full statement. I have freaking good news, Teddy. That the only basis for my relationship with Him is what He gives me with grace through Jesus dying as an atonement for my sin. It's only grace. Ephesians 2.8 This is simple scripture. It's something you should know. We're going to spend an entire session on this in encounter. For by not your tithes, not your good works, not your good deeds, not your amen brothers, not nothing, not the amount of people you've led to Jesus, not nothing. You should do all of the things I mentioned, but I'm, I'm going to break it down a little more. Okay. For by grace you have been saved through faith, through your faith in Jesus, right? God is a just God. He demands payment for the penalty of our sin. We're all born in said, You guys hear me see it every single week, right? Good news, bad news, good news. Y'all remember this? This is the gospel. It's not of... Well, that's great for people like me who've been some places. Amen, everybody. But for those who think they, they're doing, really doing something for the Lord, it kind of rubs them the wrong way. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that nobody can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, and predisposed to do these good things, which He pre prepared beforehand, and that He wants you to walk in them. And you should. Why do I preach the gospel? Because it's what I should do as a believer. I'm not trying to like impress nobody. I just really genuinely care whether or not my waitress or waiter or person in the store or person I come contact, I, I genuinely care whether or not they're going to go to hell. I should do this. You should serve. You should preach the gospel. You should make disciples. Why? So the pastor will notice me. So my, my team leader will notice me. So people will notice me. No! Because of what he's done for you. Now here we go, here we go, here we go. I'm going to break this down a little more. Once you place your faith in Jesus, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, period. You were bought and redeemed with a price. This is crazy right here. This will mess up everything. So when God sees me, if I am in Christ, he only sees Jesus. He is incapable, incapable of seeing anything other than we are clothed with Christ. Those who, are, those who are believers are new creation. He only sees me. 
That's why there's no place for shame and guilt in the heart of a believer. Because he doesn't, I love it, right? The son comes back to the father. Father, I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You guys remember this story? Let back half of Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells three stories. One about a lost sheep, one about a lost coin, one about a lost son that's really about a father. And he says, dad, dad, I'm sorry. I spent all the money. I bought all the drugs. I did all the things. And what does the dad do? He doesn't even respond. Why? Because he can't hear you. Because he does not understand what you're trying to say. He don't, he don't hear, he'll hear you because you're clothed with Christ. I mean, it's physically impossible for him to hear you, your repentance. It doesn't even make sense. Biblically, you can't prove it to me. Isaiah 53, here we go. This is Jesus. This is what he did for you. This is just good stuff, ain't it? Hey, y'all just taking notes for encounter, right? Okay. He was pierced for my transgression and he was crushed for my iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us. So if anything takes that piece away, it is counter to what God says. Right? I'm just teaching you all how to live like a Christian, not live like a person who's religious. It's his grace. It's his sacrifice. And it's not of our own doing. It's his desire to have a relationship with us. That means I can't do all the things so he will want a relationship with me. It's that I do all the things because he has a relationship with me. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't buy Brianna flowers. I'll go over to her and go, here. And I'll walk away. Why are you buying me flowers? Well, I'm your husband. That's what husband's supposed to do. Buy you flowers. Would that feel good? Would you like those flowers? That's the same thing with God. I don't give her flowers because it is my duty as her husband. I give her flowers because it is my delight to be her husband. I don't preach for God just because I'm a, I, I, because I want someday to go to heaven and get some big giant thing. I preach because of what He's done for me. I share the gospel with people, not because it makes me feel good and I can put another notch in my belt for how many people I got saved in 2023. I preach the gospel to people because I was once lost and now I'm found. And because I got to be found, I want other people to get found and have what I have. You understand, it's not about what you do. It's about what he's already done. That changes everything. What do you need, pastor? Come on, we need people in the nursery. What do you need, pastor? We need people to go out and preach the gospel. What do you need, pastor? We need small group leaders to disciple these people who have just gotten saved and come to our church. That's a hundred people that don't know anything. We need you to teach them. Come follow me. As a, are y'all with me? Why? Because he saved me. His relationship with me is not determined on what I can do for him. It's what he's already done for me. Amen, everybody. It's right thinking leads to right doing. There is nothing you can do to earn more of His love. Nothing! Last thing. Religion says this. Last thing. Number three. This is why you got to come to an encounter. I'm just telling you. <laughs> It'll change your, change your life. Number three. Talking about this invitation. What does this invitation mean as it correlates to my relationship with God? God says this. This is a big one. Religion says that if bad things are happening to you, 
that means that God is punishing you. That's what religion says. Because the basis of religion is what I can do for Him that must mean if bad things are happening to me that I must have some, done something wrong. Right? Anybody ever thought that? Oh, I can, I, I can find myself up under that, that little weight every now and then. Let me ask you this question. What time does next service start? Okay. Um, does God punish you? You say it. You say it. But does God punish you? Does He punish you? This, this next 10 minutes is going to be just for you. Does God punish you? The answer is no. This is crazy. This will change, change your life. This will change your life. What if I told you that if you're in Christ, I've told you this three times today, and I skipped a little bit and got off, offline on my message. But, but as a believer, it is physically impossible for Jesus to look at you and see, uh, God to look at you and see anything, the Father to look at you and see anything other than His Son and whom He sent to die for you. So it's impossible for Him to punish me. Now listen. Hang on. There are natural consequences for your stupid choices. That you can be sure of. If you spend your money, you'll be broke. If you don't focus on your marriage, it will suck. If you don't focus on and put, it, put, put priority on the things that need to happen, you will have a mess of a life. Well, pastor, I just thought you reap what you sowed. Well, I don't know. If he already sowed it all on Calvary, what could I possibly sow? I understand he blesses us when we sow seed and things like that, but, but God does not punish us. If he did punish you, that would totally cancel out everything that he did with Jesus on the cross for you, wouldn't it, Teddy? If he punished you, it would make him a liar. Jesus became our punishment once and for all. Once and for all. 2 Corinthians 5.19 That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. This is so good. This will actually make you want to preach the gospel. This will actually make you want to become a Christian. Not a kind of church that's together. And entrusting to us. Man, that's what I want. I want to be trusted by God. I don't care about, I, I know I'm affirmed. I know I'm loved. I know I'm fully accepted. I know all the things. But I want him to, when he's walking around the halls of heaven, looking for a miracle to hand out, I want him to look and sound it down and say, Mark will do it. He's crazy. <laughs> we can trust him to do it. I want to be trusted by the Lord. Trusting us with the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are for Christ. God making His appeal. What appeal? The appeal that, it's not what you do, it's what He's done. The appeal that, this invitation is for everything. This invitation that, I don't want to go to church, I hate church. You hate church? This is why I tell people, me too. I hate church people. 
They're the most mean-spirited, angry group of people. Religious people. Religious people. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be who knew no so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Once you place your faith in Jesus, it's over. You're bought with a price. And He sees His Son in whom He is well pleased. Your current Listen to me, I came to tell somebody this today. Your current circumstances are not related to whether or not God wants a relationship with you. Why did you take a deep breath? Because it feels good, don't it, honey? It's because the truth feels good. It will set you free. Psalm 34, 18. For those of you that think that God's punishing you or God's left the scene. The Bible says that He is near to the brokenhearted. I didn't put this in there. Boys, you, you have to add this next time. Psalm, it's Psalm, Psalm 34, 18. The, the Bible says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and He saves the crust in spirit. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So for those of you that think God has left the scene or God is angry at you when you walk through things in your life, that's just simply not true. Amen, everybody. Okay, let's land this thing. Let's end this thing. Let's, 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 put the, let's put the period on this thing. Back to the Scripture. Back to the Scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly at heart. And you will find for your souls. Rest for your souls. For my yoke is, is easy. And my burden is like, it should be like breathing to be a Christian. Anytime it feels arduous and like you're rolling a rock up the hill. I, I did ministry for 10 years with that mindset. And it literally almost killed me. This shouldn't be hard. Because... If, if, if it's hard and heavy, that means I'm carrying my burden and not Jesus's. Because he said it's supposed to be easy. Not without trial. Not without the testing of our faith. Not without moments of intensity. But it shouldn't feel like this giant weight every day to be a Christian. Having a relationship. Having a, re a revelation of these three things. What I mentioned to you earlier. When it comes to our relationship with God, it makes living for Him so much more impactful and so much more fulfilling. It's what, it is what makes living for God something we find happiness in rather than obligation to. These are the things that we talked about today. Listen, I'm not done, honey. This is, I'm just getting to the good part. This is what this is what actually provides us the peace that Jesus was talking about inside of that scripture. The rest he was talking about inside of that scripture, knowing that he loved me before I began to change. That gives me rest. That gives me peace. That's an easy yoke and a light burden. Knowing that he already loved you before you ever changed. Knowing that he loves me based on not what I've done for Him, but what He's done for me. That will give you rest. Knowing that He loves me in every circumstance of my life. 
that will give you rest. That I can truly rest in who He's created me to be. That I can finally rest in the fact that I'm already affirmed, so I don't need to go find it somewhere else. That I'm already accepted, so I don't have to worry about people accepting me. That I'm already loved by Him, so I don't need you to love me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is your challenge to walk in that reality. To walk into that revelation. To think the right way so you can live the right way. Amen, everybody? Bow your heads.